You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work friends, family, expect you to be on 24-7, well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, welcome back to the Establish the Past podcast presented by Clutch Points. Uh, I am your host, Blake Level. With me is uh, noted Miami Dolphins fan, mm. Dylan Reagan, who uh, we'll get to that in a second. But uh, yes, we are back here uh, with our recap of the Sunday action in week six of the NFL. And uh, it was, yet again, another wild day of games, uh, ones where you feel like you're 100% confident on, turn out to be 100% wrong on, and then others uh, that you feel like you have no idea what's going to happen. Sure enough, uh, it results in some wild things, Mm -hmm. which we saw from from some of these games for sure. Uh, Dylan, it was a crazy day, uh, but it seems like now we're here in week six. uh, Some of these results, we're starting to get a little bit more clarity maybe on the contender and maybe some of the pretenders yeah I mean the morning games kind of played out similar to how we would feel I mean not necessarily with some of our picks but overall you know you could see like the Seahawks obviously winning in Cleveland isn't a shock by any means uh the Texans if they're going to beat the Chiefs that was the way they're going to do it but then you go to the afternoon games and it was it was bizarre I mean I mean the Falcons uh, we said if they if they lost it would be it and here they are and then the, you said if the 49ers won, you, this is the game you need to see if they're for legit. And sure enough, they completely shut down the Rams. So kind of some surprising results. We'll get to the, the most surprising, obviously, with our uh, our pick of Dallas not making the playoffs, not looking so terrible at the moment. No, I'm feeling a lot better because after we did our season predictions episode and I looked at it afterwards and I said, what have I done by leaving the Bears and the Cowboys both out of the playoffs now I'm like, man, I'm pretty much a genius, uh, <laughs> except for the fact that I replaced them with the Falcons. Um, but we'll get to them, like you said, a little bit later. Uh, all right, let's quickly go back to Thursday night, uh, the Patriots and the Giants. It was my lock of the week, although I also kind of had a lock when I said the Giants weren't going to score a single point. That didn't happen. Uh, but still, a, the Patriots cover nicely. Three touchdown victory over the Giants. Um, I don't really, you know, what do you what do you take away from, from a game like that? I mean, the Giants clearly played pretty well in the first half. Uh, there were a lot of surprises. People didn't think they'd be able to hang around. Uh, they scored some points. Uh, still, though, the Patriots ultimately 
got the win, Dylan. I, I mean, you know, the Giants are who they are. I think that they have enough offensive weapons, which we said that from, from the very beginning. I mean, we talked about that in the preseason. They have enough offensive weapons to, to do some things. It's just, are they ever going to be able to stop people? And, you know, I think we saw the answer to that. The Patriots, the Patriots are the Patriots. Yeah, and turnovers are still a problem for the Giants. I think, like we've talked about a few times, there, there are a lot of things to be excited about for the future. It's just the pieces aren't all there yet. And uh, Daniel Jones, you, you see flashes where, you know, the, the touchdown throw to Golden Tate, a great play by Tate as well, but also just uh, on the, a dime down the field, right on the money on a deep ball with a close coverage. So those things are encouraging, but then you see all the turnovers that they had, and I, that's what the Patriots are going to do. I believe, you know, the Patriots defense, fantasy superstar, I think outscoring most, maybe all wide receivers in non-PPR leagues, something crazy like that I read. So uh, unbelievable what they're able to do, and they, it seems like it's such a luxury for them. I mean, the first half of the offense was looked pretty lethargic. Second half, I think there were things to be encouraged by if you're a Patriots fan, and overall you're never really going to be that worried about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. But in the first half, they kind of look sluggish as we've seen them in a lot of first halves this year against a defense that's not as good as Buffalo's. So the defense and special teams kind of bailed them out early in the game. The offense kind of figured it out. But overall, I mean, this defense is still so solid. And even when they give up one big play, they're going to come back. And over the course of the game, they're, they're going to play really well. So it's the Patriots, unlike past years where they've kind of lost, you know, in the last few years, they've lost some games early in the season. And there's all the talk shows talking about, why we should be concerned about this team about the this part of the team this part of the Patriots and whatnot they're so sound right now that even when they play these sloppy games like it was on Thursday at the beginning especially they're still up and they still win they still cover it's ridiculous so uh yeah I I wouldn't be too concerned because once the Patriots offense figures it out their defense and special teams are top notch yeah they're pretty good um and I think the biggest thing coming out of it is Josh Gordon's injury which uh, all reports seem to suggest it's not a major deal um but still that will factor into uh some of my waiver wire decisions which we'll get to later on by the way yes this is our waiver wire episode too I forgot to mention that uh, we always uh, dive into some of the best waiver wire pickups of the week which we'll talk about uh towards the end of the episode all right let's go to London um that was the early game like you said the panthers uh take care of business convincingly and dylan this is one of those that yes we were both right on picking the panthers to win this game but there was something here that i have to say and i don't get to say this very often but i i seem like i was completely spot on because i said if Jameis winston starts the game bad you're probably going to see a bad game from Jameis winston if he starts the game good you'll have a good game from Jameis Winston. That's just the way it seems to go. It's all about momentum for him. Uh, It's either going to go one way completely in that direction or the other way completely in that direction. Well, when you throw an interception on the first pass or the first play, it's like it went that way because uh, six turnovers, uh, five interceptions, that was not good. And that's one of the reasons we we talked about Jameis Winston a couple weeks ago after that game against the Rams. I said, look, I'm going to put him on the waiver wire uh, options here, but remember, none of us completely trust James Winston yet. No. And uh, sh- sure enough, you're still going to have these games. This was another one of those games. Uh, on the flip side, everyone's talking about the quarterback situation for the Panthers. You know, Cam Newton's still rehabbing it, and I think Ron Rivera kind of said that. It doesn't really matter right now because Cam Newton is, at this point, not in a place to to play yet, and so Kyle Allen just keeps on winning. Um, the Panthers, you know, their team, like we mentioned last week, you, you were high on going into the season, felt like they could be a playoff team, and they're really playing well right now. Yeah, and the impressive thing, too, for Kyle Allen, a lot of these games on this four-game winning streak for him since he took over have been buoyed by a running attack and – Christian McCaffrey kind of going off and while McCaffrey 
still put up some solid fantasy points on Sunday. You know, 22 carries for 31 yards. They could not move the ball on the ground. They weren't. They didn't have a lot going on. So for Kyle Allen to kind of come in, obviously the defense. You know, all the turnovers make a big difference as well. But Kyle Allen kind of proved in this game what we thought, you know, going back to the first start that he had when he uh, impressed with so many yards and so many big passing plays against the Cardinals. That was the Cardinals. Tampa Bay's defense has looked better in certain games. Other games, not so much. So take what you will from it. But overall, not having the running attack um, going for them was not going to hamper them as much as it was for Tampa Bay, who also could not run the ball. And Jameis Winston had to throw, what, 54 times, I believe it was, which is, I mean (laughs) – it goes back to when Tampa beat the Rams and Goff through what fifty-seven times. When if you're you're throwing fifty-plus times and your name's not Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes, you're in trouble. So, uh, yeah. for the for the Bucks, I mean, they kind of fought back and they're you know a maddening team if you're a fan of them. Inconsistent uh, week to week, we don't know what we're going to get from Winston, let alone the team itself. So. Uh, not surprised that they fell in this one as we you know both predicted the Panthers would win and their defense has been one of the better you know probably top 10 units in the NFL and they proved it with all the turnovers and seven sacks on Sunday yeah uh, it's it's a situation where I mean look they're they're playing really well and um, that that division has has opened up quite a bit uh, based on where we've seen the Falcons go Uh, not of course with the Saints but um, yeah, you're looking at the Panthers, and certainly at this point, I mean, they're clearly the second-best team in that division, and um, they're in a pretty good spot here, although, as we know, uh, their next game here uh, after the bye is going to be uh, against the 49ers, who we'll get to here in just a bit. All right, the Seahawks and the Browns. Uh, that was a game where I think we were both kind of looking at it, like, come on, we really – come on, we're going to pick the Seahawks, right, right, right? And then we decided <laughs> to both pick the Browns. Seahawks went 32-28. You know, I I don't – at this point with the Browns, I don't know what we learned in terms of the fact that this team just isn't right and they're not all on the same page. um, And they've got to figure it out pretty quickly. And and we mentioned sort of the scheduling situation and all of that. I mean, now they go into their bye. Well, congratulations on having a bye, but then you get to come out and play the Patriots uh, the following week. And then you go to the Broncos the next week. The Broncos are getting better. We'll talk more about them. Uh, so it's like, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility to, to say that we could sit here and see the Browns at 2-6 at six halfway through the season. Um, and it's like you go back to games like this where you just got blown out by the Niners. You had a good opportunity at home. But then again, Dylan, we say all that, and, I mean, Russell Wilson, he just keeps on mm-hmm. – just getting it done and it's like you know he loses will disley probably for the season uh yet jerron brown comes in catches two touchdowns and it's just like he's one of these guys just keeps making people better and he just keeps finding ways to win um you know the seahawks are sitting here at five and one and uh look i mean we mentioned the nfc west and we'll talk more about it once we get to that niners rams game but We felt like there were going to be, you know, really good teams in there. And here we are when you look at all three of these teams, certainly the Rams are struggling, but man, the Seahawks are looking pretty good right now. I've criticized them a decent amount for how all these close wins and you got to give them credit where it's due. I mean, obviously when you have Russell Wilson, as we've kind of said too, is our equalizer, right? I mean, no matter what happens, no matter how poorly sometimes the defense still plays, I still have a lot of concerns about them on that side of the ball. But on offense, the running game for the second straight week, Cleveland got gashed. Uh, you know just yeah. could not defend the run at all and it's a huge problem that uh, I mean I'm, 
for Cleveland, I thought that was something they're going to be able to do well early in the season. And sure enough, here we are and still not getting it done. And even with all the injuries in the secondary, the secondary at times has held up okay. But in this game, I think it did cost them quite a bit. I mean, Russell Wilson's going to exploit anyone. But it, it didn't look – they fell behind early. And the Browns kind of had, you know, a lot of chances. And if you're a Cleveland fan, you got to feel pretty upset because you have – it, like you said, this is a game you felt like you could have won. You're in a position early, you start great, and then there's just turnovers and the the uh, play calling inside the 5 and 10-yard line is just maddening again. It's like you're watching kind of the same thing on repeat. Some of the mistakes that Baker's made and then also in the play calling side for the offense. So, yeah, it's I we got to stop <laughs> kind of like how, you know, a couple of weeks ago I started saying with the Texans, I think they're flawed kind of like the Seahawks, but their quarterbacks are so great that at the end of the day, th- those guys are going to find a way to win no matter what the circumstances are. Well, fantasy perspective, let me say this. DK Metcalf now with Will Disley probably out for the season like we said. You want a big physical target in the red zone. I think he is going to be money mm-hmm. uh, the rest of the way here just because we've talked about just his athleticism, just ridiculous uh, for his size, and, and he's someone that's going to see a lot of targets probably moving forward uh, down near the end zone. On the flip side, Baker Mayfield, five touchdowns, 11 interceptions this season. Um, and then here, Dylan, is the stat of the day. I always like to have one of these that really just gets people. <laughs> From Mike Clay on Twitter, the complete list of NFL teams that have yet to reach two passing touchdowns in at least one game this season, the Miami Dolphins and the Cleveland uh, Browns. No. <laughs> um, you've got Odell Beckham. You've got Jarvis Landry. You've got Baker Mayfield. You've got Nick Chubb. Uh, go on down the list, and that's just boy, that that's something right there. <laughs> no, it's nuts. I mean, they can't really. Uh, part of it, I you know, going back to their struggles in the red zone. I mean, Nick Chubb still racking up the rushing touchdowns, and overall they're able to run the ball. For Cleveland, that's another part of this game. Like you, you ran the ball like you wanted to. You physically imposed yourself on that side with your even with your offensive line on Seattle's front. Yet when you got down to the end zone, they cannot pass in the red zone it's uh, it's so frustrating if you're if you're like want Cleveland to do well I mean I, I can't even imagine for those fans like you're, you're seeing it on the cusp of after all these years of losing and losing and losing and now here you, you got a team that probably has the talent but you just you're, like you said it's just not quite right and that, I mean that stat I mean it makes sense now when you say it you know, it sounds crazy but they just cannot <laughs> if you can't pass in the red zone how are you going to uh, have that many passing touchdowns yeah, it's uh, it's not good. I'll tell you what else is not good, Dylan. Uh, the Redskins and the Dolphins, oh. um, and I don't specifically, know. This is beautiful. <laughs> specifically, I'll tell you what's really not good, and that's you picking the Dolphins to win this game. I mean, um, almost happened. Hey, hey, you're right. You're exactly right. Um, I was getting a little worried there because I was like, oh no, please tell me uh, that this is this is actually going to happen, isn't it? And uh, I, what do you say about a game like this? I, the, the biggest thing that I took away from this is Terry McLaurin, yep. who we've talked about for <laughs> weeks now. He's the real deal. Uh, my goodness, he is a player, and you just wish he was on a better team at this point because I still think you could plug him in anywhere, and he would be just a – just the way he plays. I mean, it's the, the routes he runs, just beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, the one he ran for the one touchdown was just outstanding. Um, the one he caught, I think, was in the corner of the end zone. Just the guy is so good, and that's something where if you're looking for bright spots throughout the year, there's not going to be many bright spots for either one of these teams. Uh, but Terry McLaurin, man, he's good. Yeah, he's. Uh, you took it right out the words out of my mouth. I was going to say the one takeaway had to be Terry McLaurin and how just dynamic he is. Like you said, you wish you could be he would be on a winning team or at least a 
a more competent team at this point. Um, overall in this game, <laughs> takeaways, I, I thought it would be higher scoring maybe just because the defenses are so bad. The offenses proved they're equally as awful. So it wasn't a game that there were many highlights at. I, I think I read that the Dolphins were uh, giving away free parking instead of charging people. So that was nice of them, <laughs> you know, to at least not <laughs> force another expense on those uh, poor souls that came out to that game. I mean, at least they got an exciting finish. And it was kind of sums up the Dolphins, though, that they have a play that is doomed from the start. And then you drop the ball, too, on that two-point conversion attempt. Just never really had a shot. Um, and, you know, I, I couldn't help but laugh during the whole comeback attempt. Uh, our one big question for the Dolphins was uh, if uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to uh, mess up their tank. And sure enough, he almost did. He almost, he almost got that victory that, you know, at the end of the year, who knows how many losses the Redskins and the Bengals and the Dolphins are going to have. So this is a game for the Dolphins tank that's a win in their book. <laughs> Yeah, sorry for everyone. I told that Preston Williams was a, a go-to guy in this one. He only had two catches for 31 yards. But hey, remember, anytime you, you have, anytime I tell you about a player on the Dolphins, there's always a caveat it's in that the Dolphins. the Dolphins are terrible. So let's just remember that. Uh, but I did get our number one waiver wire pickup of the week uh, last week. Dylan, pretty pretty good shape with that. Adrian Peterson, mm-hmm. uh, 23 carries, 118 yards. Uh, I think Adrian Peterson is in really good shape uh, here. And we said this. He's going to have a bigger role probably in that offense, just knowing with, with Bill Callahan there uh, kind of running things. So uh, there you go. Redskins win a game. The Dolphins don't. And the streak continues uh, for the Dolphins. So, um, all right. The game that was uh, very surprising for both of us, I don't think there's any doubt. And that was, of course, the Chiefs and the Texans that Texans hand the Chiefs their second straight home loss, 31-24. This was one of those games that I think is kind of deceiving from a stat line perspective for Deshaun Watson Mm -hmm. because – Everybody looks at it, and um, you know I thought Ian Rapport made, made a good point about Deshaun Watson certainly as an MVP type of candidate because you look at his stat line, it's like okay, 280 yards, a touchdown, but two interceptions. I think what you have to remember here is that Will Fuller, I think, dropped oh, I don't know how three, many touchdown pat. Yes, th- <laughs> thank you, Will Fuller. The week I decided to play you in a league where I absolutely had to have a win, and uh, he dropped three touchdown. You know, it's like. Oh, man. You just don't realize, like, this could have been a complete – I mean, it really could have been a lot worse. And and it's one of those things where, I don't know. I mean, the Chiefs got off to such a good start, you know, 17-3 to after the first quarter. And then the the Texans scored 20 points in the second quarter. And and are we back to this point, Dylan, with this Chiefs team where – look, I'm not concerned about the – I'm really not concerned about the offense at all, to be honest. But – this defense is the defense going to be a situation and i know you know the colts game was low scoring and all that and and maybe you can say what you want about the offense it hasn't been clicking exactly like it has uh in recent weeks but now you've got pretty much every everyone back on that offense i guess Mm -hmm. i'm i am not worried about the chiefs now yes these two losses you never want to lose two home games uh to to afc south teams let me put it that way um but but yet i I don't know do do we do we really learn a whole lot i mean the texans getting a win is a big deal i mean there's no doubt going on a road win that game's a big deal but i think these two teams are still kind of about where I, i thought they would be uh, maybe to this point. I didn't think the Chiefs would be invincible, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm underestimating this. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not worried about the Chiefs maybe as a whole, but I am still worried about their defense. They changed their defensive coordinator. They add new talent on the roster, and it looks like the same product as last year. 
I mean, uh, props to the Texans. I said before on the preview, I didn't think with their, uh, you know, with the running backs they had and their defense overall, they'd be able to get in a game where they'd be able to run, run, run. But they, you know, they've carried the ball over 40 times. They stayed committed to the formula that we've seen now. Uh, the last three chief losses going back to the AFC title game have all been in games where they've been dominated on the ground, dominated time of possession. I think the big takeaway when I look at the at the not just the box score itself when they're you know racking up all these rushing yards when you're watching the game and they're staying on the field for these long drives. I mean the Texans still turned it over inside the end zone in the fourth in the second half. They had a lot some chances where you know they could have really put the Chiefs away uh, at certain points when they were winning after that uh, abysmal fumble. Man, the fumble before the end of the half. And not just not really on Mahomes as much as what what are you I mean like I know yeah. like Mahomes clearly at this point looks like he's a little bit banged up on it with his ankle whatever it is even if he's not something's not completely right and you have him go out there and try to throw from his own you know 18 yard line or so and it ends up being you know goes from your winning by a point to losing by six at the half that was a huge turning point but then in the second half the Texans there from there you know they they had some mistakes in the second half but overall the Chiefs only had the ball three times. That's the I, when I look at that, yeah. it's in the whole second half. The Chiefs had the ball three times, and they and a couple of those drives were quickly fizzled out. So, props to the Texans' defense to get off the field. I mean, all you need is one, you know, one stop on a, against one of these teams like the Chiefs, where they can score and score and score. But if you get one big stop here and there, it can make a huge difference. And overall, for them, they controlled the clock, and the Chiefs' run defense still is a huge problem. And if they don't fix this, I mean, it's just, it's their Achilles' heel. We saw it exploited last year, and if their offense isn't going to be uh, clicking on all cylinders, that defense is still a big problem. Carlos Hyde revenge game, baby. <laughs> he gets his uh, revenge and uh, big win for the Texans. There's no other way to put it. I mean, the, the Texans are in good shape now looking at that division, and, and yeah, it was uh, it's a huge win for them. Any way you slice it, uh, Bill O'Brien still does some things that I don't agree with because <laughs> I still think he just the way they call the game sometimes isn't great, but you know what? When you have Deshaun Watson, that can take care of a lot of problems, um, and that's what happened once again as, as he uh, accounts for three touchdowns and keeps doing his thing. Uh, with the Texans getting a big win and the Chiefs uh, trying to figure some things out here as they move forward. Um, all right, the Saints and the Jags. Uh, you got the upper hand on me on this one, as and, and that's fine because this was an ugly game. Uh, the Saints went 13-6 to in Jacksonville. They stay on the winning track with Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback. We were all scared about them. We were just worried about the Saints. Oh, this is it. They got no chance. They're done. Uh, well, they just keep winning, and they're, they keep winning without Drew Brees, and that just kind of shows you, I think, uh, it's twofold. Teddy Bridgewater is, is better than people give him credit for, and I don't think he's getting enough credit just because no one's asking him to go out and throw for 600 yards a game or anything like that. Um, and I also think Sean Payton's a, a very good coach, and it's uh, that they just, you know, you find ways to win. For the Jags, it was one of those games – you know, I got a little bit overzealous on the Gardner Minshew mania, and uh, it wasn't his best performance. But when you consider their upcoming schedule, which we'll talk about here in a minute, uh, I think they're going to be fine. Leonard Fournette, just another heavy workload. Uh, Alvin Kamara's injury situation, Dylan, maybe the biggest thing coming out of this one because 
you know, he came into the game with one injury, picks up another one during the game. Uh, Latavius Murray was in on some action there, and uh, there's just a lot of different things here with the Saints team, but that just kind of shows you the overall depth that they have. Mm-hmm. Wasn't their prettiest effort, but they win another game. Yeah, they can't afford to lose Alvin Kamara long-term. He's such a huge part of what their offense does, regardless of who's at under center at quarterback. So for that, I mean, we'll see what happens there. Also means a lot to my fantasy team, my top pick. But uh, <laughs> I felt vindicated also in fantasy. I picked up the Saints defense. Didn't put up a huge scoring day, but I did feel like this defense has been a little underrated. I mean, yes, Dallas, we'll get to them and their struggles uh, yesterday. But uh, the Cal- you know what they did starting with that Cowboys game, I mean, this defense has really played well this season. And I think... Uh, you know Drew Brees for a lot of his career hasn't had a defense like this and when he gets back I think the Saints are right there with you know the 49ers and maybe the Packers at the top of the NFC I think they and it's not just because of their offense their defense is legit as Jacksonville yes has struggled at times but they've also put up some points on some decent defenses and New Orleans found a way to go on the road and we talk about the Saints they're a different team outside of the dome but they're still winning these games on the road and they're finding different ways to do it uh, you know the offense wasn't clicking like it was last week against Tampa Bay but it didn't matter because they kept getting off the field time and time again and uh, it's it's all coming together for them on defense I think not just their secondary we talk a lot about you know some of these guys like Eli Apple and the, the differences they've made but the Davenport trade which drew a lot of flack last year when they traded up to get um, Marcus Davis, Davenport in the first round he's having a huge year and uh, you know not the big statistical game that he had kind of the last, past couple of weeks but still making a big difference and overall their depth on defense it's impressive to see. I, I really couldn't be more excited for the Saints moving forward. Yeah, no, they're they're in good shape here. And uh, they're a team, like I said, you look at that division. I mean, with the Falcons where they're at, the Bucks are clearly still the Bucks in terms of their inconsistencies. Um, it kind of is what it is. But they, they – and look, with the Saints, look at their upcoming schedule. I mean, yeah, they go to Chicago, um, you know, for this game next, this week. But – then they got the Cardinals and the Falcons at home. I mean, the easy money right mm-hmm. there. If you're getting ready to load up fantasy wise, I mean, the Cardinals, Falcons at home, and then you're at the Bucks. That um, they just, yeah. I mean, the Saints here, if they can, let's say they go and win that game in Chicago. I mean, this is this team is going to just keep winning. And remember, Drew Brees, not that far away probably from coming back. I mean, you know, it's not going to be this week or anything, but like it's just we're, we're getting closer and closer and closer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, man, it's just they just keep rolling and they're in a really great spot here uh, moving forward. There's no doubt about it. Uh, two teams that will figure to have something to say about, you know, the Saints winning the NFC uh, is the Eagles and the Vikings. And it was the Vikings that got the upper hand in this one. 38 to 20. Uh, the Kirk Cousins show just completely <laughs> back on track here. I think, uh, you know, for me, who almost dropped him in our clutch points league, it was just, <laughs> I was done with him. I was like, I don't want any more of this guy. Well, we'll get to the waiver wire situation later, but he is very high on my list this week uh, because he is back, baby, and he is ready to roll. Uh, I mean, it, you know, Dylan, the, the Eagles secondary is just not good, and we've said mm-hmm. that. It's just it's not good right now. Um, and, and Stephon Diggs, you know, seven receptions, 167 yards, three touchdowns. Adam Thielen gets one. Um, there's just that Eagles defense. If they're going to be the team that you thought they could be going into the season, they got to play some defense because right now it's just not there. And I'll tell you, I pointed this out yesterday, uh, and someone uh, for us actually wrote about this in terms of the Eagles' schedule. 
Here's their next five games. They're at the Cowboys, at the Bills, at home against the Bears, at home against the Patriots, at home against the Seahawks. Mm. I mean, that's a that's a pretty rough stretch there, uh, and there is no room for error probably. And, and, you know, there's just not a lot of room for error in those five games. Uh, here's what I will say, though. If there's a positive on that, the Cowboys passing game is struggling a little bit right now. Mari Cooper's injured, we'll get to that. Uh, Bills passing game, not great. Bears passing game, not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Patriots and the Seahawks, yes, yeah, so you've got some worries there. So if they can just, you know, this secondary situation like we talked about, if they can just get through these next three games, then you got looking at the Dolphins, the Giants, the Redskins later in the season, you're feeling okay. Mm-hmm. But this is a big stretch for them after losing this game. Yeah, it's, it, it, all the things that are wrong with the Eagles, like you mentioned, kind of came to fruition here. Right? They still defended the run well. They, they weren't giving up huge chunks of yardage regularly to the Vikings running game, but it didn't matter, and that was impressive for Kirk Cousins and this Minnesota team. But at the same time, I, I can't help but think it feels like every team is just getting guys open down the field against Philadelphia right now. So for Cousins, we'll see what he does over the course of the season. But, I, I mean, for the Vikings, if he can play even half as well as he did yesterday, they're going to be in good shape. Their defense is still solid. Even when the Eagles were moving the ball, you know, you know decently well but they kind of bended but didn't break and the Vikings defense as I've talked about before I don't think they they're going to be able to really shut down some of these better offenses but they can at least do enough to hold teams like the Eagles to 20 points and that's that's a considered a win in my book if they can hold a team with that much firepower and offense to that many points on the flip side though for Philadelphia again they're deep like you said they're secondary huge concern uh, yes going up in these next few games maybe some better matchups for them based on the opponents they have but it's still, I, I still am starting to lose faith in, you know, this team, if they can't, you know, they can score points. They can score points. That's fine. Yeah. But if, if you're going to give up 40 points, basically, <laughs> to a, you know, a passing game that has only exploited really worse defenses overall, I don't know how you're going to win in the playoffs. And, you know, you go back to, and we th- I think about all these really good teams in the NFC right now. And the Eagles just that that flaw is so striking that even teams that aren't going to be able to pass the ball as well as uh, the Vikings did necessarily, I still think we're going to see some guys getting open and still see some things that are going to be more concerning over the course of the year. We and they're lucky to be three and three really. I mean they they could have for all you know some of the games they could have won earlier in the year they also could have lost easily to the Packers. They, um, yeah, it's just yeah. it's just been a weird year for Philadelphia. Not exactly going uh, according to the plan that I'm sure they wanted before the year. Yep, big stretch here. These next five games, we'll see what they're made of uh, because these are probably going to decide, you know, their playoff mm-hmm. possibilities here because, like we said, their schedule does set up pretty nicely later in the season. Um, so these next five games are going to be crucial there for the Eagles. Uh, all right, the Ravens and the Bengals. Ravens get the win 23-17. This was your lock of the week. Not quite, probably a little bit closer than we both expected mm-hmm. on this one. Uh, but once again, Lamar Jackson just does his thing. Uh, as a Mark Ingram fantasy owner, I tell you, man, Lamar, it's just you're just getting too many carries. We got to protect him more. He needs to stop running the ball so much. Um, give Mark Ingram the carries, please. Just let him do what he wants to do. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, I mean, 19 carries, 152 yards for Lamar Jackson. He passes for 236 yards. Um, this guy is just, I mean, he he's the difference, man. Like he is the guy that's going to make the difference in games like this where. The Ravens didn't play their best game. Uh, by, by all means, it wasn't their best game. And the, the Bengals sitting here now, still winless. Um, and it's just, I mean, I, it's so hard to, to do anything with Lamar Jackson and how you prepare for a guy like that. I don't know. Uh, I guess for the Bengals, if you're looking for bright spots, 
Um, it wasn't Joe Mixon running for eight times for 10 yards. Uh, probably Auden Tate, I guess, who we mentioned, uh, uh, you know, waiver wire last week. He was a nice pickup with A.J. Green still out. Uh, but A.J. Green could be coming back soon. I guess that's a positive, too. Uh, for the Bengals, they are who they are. The Ravens, uh, they're the Lamar Jackson show <laughs> right now. And uh, it was a, a good win for them because, as we said, we've seen some inconsistency with the Ravens. We still saw it in this game. Yeah. Uh, but but you still pretty feel pretty good about where they're at. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah lock of the week for a couple of reasons. This is one of the – I think they're the highest-scoring team in the NFL coming into the week only to put up 23 points in the Bengals did not expect that also did not expect the Bengals to get a kickoff return for a touchdown to start (laughs) the game so that set us on a bad track but overall for Baltimore it's I'll I'll, you know I'm still not sold completely they've played these teams that are worse than them and they've kind of played down I mean they they barely beat the Cardinals at this Bengals game they're in control and they do win Um, it it looks closer because of the Bengals getting that touchdown right at the end before they're able to run the clock out but overall for Baltimore still uh, like you said though they're able to move the ball efficiently it's just some of these drives just aren't aren't being finished with the what you're really going to need to win the playoffs so i think we're going to learn a lot of over the next couple of weeks that they play seattle and then the patriots after their bye so they they're going to have some big games coming up and we'll see a lot more of what we're uh, they're going to be able to do against quality teams because with the bengals it, uh, Ah, what could you say about them? I mean, I mean <laughs> obviously we could talk about week one where they almost beat the Seahawks and we are uh, on the Zach Taylor train. And now 0-6, uh, not really anything uh, to get too excited about. I don't, I, I, honestly, though, if they're, I think they're better than the Dolphins for sure. But should they be tanking for 2-0? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I, I may be at the point where I don't know how much better they are than the Dolphins. Like, they, they have more <laughs> playmakers, but – uh, yeah. And that's, hey, you guys know, I was the biggest Bengals fan in the world after week one. Uh, but uh, it's just, yeah, they're, they're struggling right now uh, for sure. And uh, I don't know. Be, be sure to circle that uh, week 16 game, December 22nd in Miami. Uh, get your tickets now because the Cincinnati Bengals are heading south uh, to play the Miami Dolphins. Uh, offensive, we'll, we might, offensive line clinic there. <laughs> We may just devote an entire episode. We've been doing a bonus episode that week uh, just on that game, so keep that in mind. Uh, yeah, it's not good for the Bengals. The Ravens uh, keep rolling forward here. Uh, speaking of teams, it's not good for the Atlanta Falcons. We're finally here. Let's talk about mm. it. They are terrible, and they are now just in a – I am just – I don't know. And I'm not a Falcons fan, again, but I can't even imagine being a Falcons fan. The amount of oh. frustration with this team – since that that Super Bowl like like really think about it really since then I mean this team has just been so frustrating and I don't know like do we just do we just write in Keanu Neal as the MVP of the NFL because <laughs> I mean they lose you know yeah. he goes out with the injury again for for another season and certainly I mean we know he played an important role in that defense but come on like They've got to be able to do something, and it's just it's not happening, Dylan. They just cannot stop anyone. And someone put out on Twitter, I've got to find this. When you talk, I'm going to try to find this because something – it was like the last 13 possessions, or so, like going back to the Texans game, what the defense has allowed. It's like touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, field goal. Like they've allowed, they just can't stop anyone. And so – I don't know where you go from here if you're the Falcons. Uh, you know, we saw the rumors that Arthur Blank may be considering a change if things don't get better uh, before the bye. Uh, 
Um, I don't know. Like, and, and, you know, the Matt Bryant thing, yes, anybody can make the argument, well, if they just would have made that, that extra point, they'd be fine. No, they're not fine. No. Like, they're just – they're not, no matter what. <laughs> uh, even if they win that game, you still don't feel good about the Falcons, to be honest. Uh, sorry, Cardinals fans. I know you feel like I'm slighting here, but the Falcons are just really frustrating right now, uh, and I, I don't know. Like, like this was – to me, this was a lot more about the Falcons than the Cardinals. Give the Cardinals credit. Uh, I thought Kyler Murray looked pretty good, but, again, I mean, it's it's the Falcons defense and and you're just exploiting those weaknesses right now yeah, everyone looks good against the Falcons defense like you said not to take too much away from the Cardinals but if you're <laughs> you're, you're talking about the extra point I mean if you're if you need an extra point to tie the game against the Cardinals with about two minutes left that's a problem yes. already that's like you got too many issues already right there and for Matt Ryan for all the things you know this year he's struggled at times and been inconsistent and like, we'll see them in the first half struggle and the second half take off on offense he was great this whole game, really. I mean, almost a perfect passer rating, four touchdowns, 30 for 36, averaging 10 yards per attempt, 356 yards. It was just nuts. It was crazy. They were, they were able to do anything they wanted on offense, but their defense couldn't do anything either. It's 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 horrible. To, it's like it's like I don't, yeah. it's almost like watching some of those Big Twelve games a few years ago, where it's like every game was fifty to forty something. Like it, it's <laughs> watching this team is ridiculous. It's it would, I would be absolutely maddening. I mean, already Atlanta sports fans with what happened to the Braves, and then you go to the Georgia Bulldogs losing. I mean, it's been a rough week, and uh, they don't have an NFL team that's really making them feel much better because no matter what they can do on offense, they're going to s- score fantasy points. If you're a fantasy owner, uh, as I am of Austin Hooper, another great week. Uh, as we as we said. <laughs> He probably would against the the Cardinals and their their giving ways to t- tight ends in fantasy, but overall, uh, man, like it, it's a bigger problem. I don't know if Keanu Neal would have solved. It. I think they still would be probably sitting around one and five. I don't know how many wins he's really worth to that team and that defense because there's just too many issues all across the board really to stop anyone, including the Cardinals. Yeah, it's not good, and I've been trying to find. Here it is. Okay, finally, here we go. Um, from Jeff Schultz. So. The Athletic. Here, here's the tweet. He did it during the game yesterday. Uh, and I don't, again, I don't remember exactly what point in the game this was. So this may not be accurate to this point. This could have been, you know, they may have made a stop somewhere. I have no idea. But here's the tweet. It says, You throw out the 22 second drive just before halftime last week in Houston. These are the last 13 possessions versus the Falcons defense. So in the, in the Texans game, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, field goal, <laughs> touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Cardinals game. Field goal, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. So obviously that was early in the game, but and I'd have to look more to see if that trend continued. But that just shows you, like, my goodness. I mean, it's just I don't know. And and that's where if you're the Falcons, man, and you know, it's always the coach firing thing. I'm just I'm not someone that's gonna sit here and call for a coach to get fired ever. I just I'm just not that kind of person. Like unless you just completely know. And I think Dan Quinn is not a bad coach. And I know that's maybe weird from Falcons fans to hear if they because a lot of them probably think he is. I don't think he's a terrible coach. It's just but they got to figure something out yeah. here and you know it's like i mean they have to like there's no choice at this point um so i don't know like like i don't know where they go from here matt. and uh they, they've got to figure it out yeah matt, matt so another stat I need, I need to figure out who these other two quarterbacks are matt ryan is the third qb in nfl history to pass for 300 plus yards in his team's first six games i doubt the other two quarterbacks are one or one in five i really do not <laughs> I, think <yes. laughs> That is a very good possibility, and I don't even think you need to look that up to know that that's probably the case. And, and hey, you know, look, we have to mention this. The next four games, they're at home against the Rams, they're at home against the Seahawks, they're at the Saints, they're at the Panthers. Like, you can legitimately see the Falcons losing all four of those games. I mean, it's just like, 
I don't know. You know, it's it's not good. And and for you and I, we were on the Falcons train, like we were there. And and now, like, oh man, I'm I'm jumping off the Falcons train as quickly as I jumped off the Bengals train because this is just it's not good. And sorry, Cardinals, I know it was a big win, but to me, this was a lot more about the Falcons. Just I don't know where they go. They're 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 in trouble, and and they've got to figure some things out. Like we said, um, if they want to avoid uh, some big changes being made there uh, before the bye. So, um, all right, Dylan, we go from one frustrating team to another, especially for you, uh, the Rams and the 49ers. The 49ers get the 20 to seven win in Los Angeles. This was a game where I said, if I see the 49ers win a game like this, then I am convinced. I am going to buy in completely. And I am bought in because um, this was a very impressive effort. Uh, That defense is 100% for real. There's no doubt about it. Uh, For the Rams, it's just, I mean, you know, seven points. That's that's not what you expect (laughs) to see from a Rams offense under Sean McVay. Yes, Todd Gurley didn't play, but when you have that kind of passing attack, it's just not there right now. And Jared Goff is just not making some great decisions um, I, again, I don't want to put this more on the Rams because I, I really think that the 49ers are, like I said, I'm sold now. But um, this was a, a huge win for the Niners, and it's another one of those where we're putting the Rams in a situation where we're really high on them going through the season, mm-hmm. but here they are like the Eagles at 3-3 three and three and really needing to figure some things out. Now the Rams, their issues are uh, – it goes beyond just their defense, which actually didn't play that bad of a game. San Francisco has torn up everyone running the ball. They ran the ball 41 times for 99 yards, so just 2.4 yards per carry. If you if you told me that stat line before the game, not necessarily the, the number of carries, which obviously indicates San Francisco is winning because they're trying to run the clock out with all those runs, but just the average itself, they weren't able to really run the ball consistently. And the Rams' defense did their job for the most part. It was after a couple of really disappointing weeks from them, I thought they came back and played pretty well. I think they did enough for them to win the game, but we've heard that before going back to the Super Bowl. I, yep. The defense at times can find its way, but the offense, holy cow, I mean – uh, the, you know, yes, Jared Goff struggled, but man, their offensive line, I think everything starts there. Their offensive line, you go from the last two years, you got a brick wall, you got one of the you know top unit in the NFL to this year, just, I mean, injuries, yes, but overall, just the guys that they brought in to replace Sullivan and Saffold leaving, those guys, you know, were aging out, and so you can understand it, but they didn't really find, they didn't really invest kind of in top guys. They tried to build from within, and Brian Allen and Nopum have struggled, and Blythe has struggled, and Whitworth at times doesn't look like himself, and Havenstein's looked uh, pretty average at times too so san francisco yes i you know before the game i, I did say I, I was tempted to go with them and everything i believed about their defense you, you saw it on, on full display here they're the reason they won this game not uh, i think it sums up the game not just because of the, the constant drives of the rams couldn't move the ball but you you see when it comes down push comes to shove the rams have the ball at the one yard line it sums up the whole game they can't get one yard running the ball twice yeah. and then on the flip side san francisco sneaks it in with garoppolo you, you win in the trenches and all game on both sides even even though the Rams front, you know they they held their own. I thought against that San Francisco offensive line, I was impressed with what the Rams defensive line did. So positives for them going forward. If you can figure out an offense, your defensive line responded, and your defense overall without Akib Talib looked fine. But man, the offense huge concern. Not just without Gurley, their offensive line it all starts there. If they can't if they can't block, whether it be run block, pass block, everything, they're in huge trouble. Well, do I have some good news for Rams fans? Because in case you don't, in case you don't remember what I said about three minutes ago, the Rams are playing the Falcons next. Oh, man. And if you want to cure your offensive woes, 
There you go. Like this is the week. Like, I mean, there's no other way around. It doesn't if happen you then. Want to, <laughs> right. If it doesn't happen this week or the following week against the Bengals, then you've got some serious problems because you're facing two bad defenses, and this is the time. Like it's the time is now for the Rams to get back on track, and you feel like they should be in a position to do that. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, but yes, two really nice matchups. And if you're someone who wants to stay on the 49ers uh, unbeaten streak, when is it going to end? Uh, well, probably not this week because they're playing <laughs> the Redskins. And then let's I mean let's keep this in mind here. They're at the Redskins this week. They're at home against the Panthers. They're at the Cardinals, at home against the Seahawks, at home against the Cardinals. So that's their next five games. Mm-hmm. They're the favorites in four of those five, probably maybe all five. So I look, they're not gonna I don't think they're gonna be ten and zero. I will say that. I believe in the 49ers, but I don't think they're gonna be ten and zero. But I mean, there there are worse schedules out there for undefeated teams. I'll tell you that uh, because th- they seem to be sitting in a pretty good spot here uh, moving forward. So we'll see if they can keep that momentum mm-hmm. going. Certainly have a nice schedule uh, to be able to do that. All right, um, here we go. Back to the Titans. Right, we're just always back to the Titans, um, and it seems failing because we're we're talking about the Falcons and the Titans, and we're going to get to another team in a minute here. The teams that just perennially seem to just really frustrate some people um with their just inconsistency and the titans uh, they lose they don't score point i mean they come on 16 to nothing against the broncos who are playing a lot better now we do have to give the broncos a lot of credit here their defense played really well in this game uh but the titans no points zero and they made the move from Marcus Mariota to Ryan Tannehill. It didn't really do a whole lot. Um, let's just be honest. Everybody's calling for a quarterback change, but at the end of the day, it didn't do a whole lot in this game. Um, and, and, look, I understand you have to make that move, and there it's a lot of people. I get it. But it's just this offense is still in a spot where – I don't know. I mean, you could put either one of those guys under center, and I'm still not confident mm-hmm. in this offense at all. Um, you know, Derrick Henry, I thought a pretty decent matchup against the mm-hmm. Broncos. He had 15 carries for 28 yards. Um, and so, uh, I mean, with Titans now, their offensive line is not good. And I don't. I really don't know where – we've mentioned teams we don't really know kind of what's next for them, What? where do they go from here, what is their outlook for the rest of the season. I don't know because the Titans just are, are not very good right now. Their offense is not very good. Their defense is good enough to win games, but they just don't have the offense to support it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Like I, I think it's, again, the Broncos are playing better, and maybe that's the bigger story here, but the Titans just aren't very good right now. Yeah, I mean, yes, the Broncos are playing better, but – they're still as we talked about last week and that's why we picked them in this game we felt like they're better than a one in 14 but they're still they still got a lot of issues uh, the titans defense is good and you do feel for them i mean uh, they're doing their job we have had a number of games now where if their offense just could score 20 points which it really isn't that much to ask from an nfl offense they'd be probably four and two but here we are that they, they put up a donut they they don't score a single yeah. point um i saw a great tweet i think the ringers kevin clark it was he compared uh titans quarterbacks to batman where it's different actors same character it doesn't really <laughs> matter who's there but they're gonna just kind of win some games barely but then have really awful games take awful sacks on third down it's just yeah, I mean, they. it was a really frustrating game to watch uh, as a Derrick Henry fantasy owner. You, if, if the Titans can't run the ball, they're not going to be able to really do much with their quarterbacks and their weapons. I mean, they, they'd have some decent weapons at receivers we've talked about, but 
Uh, man, it, again, is it more the Denver defense coming around? I, I think the Denver defense has been fine, but I don't think they did anything spectacular here to really limit the Titans. They're limiting themselves. Their offensive line I thought was going to be decent. It hasn't looked great <laughs> so far. And another week yeah. where uh, it's just more of the same from the Titans. I'm starting to think that uh, my pick of them, you know, just thinking that that division <laughs> was going to be absolute uh, crap and they'd find a way to just uh, find their way to the top. I don't know if that's really pulling out at this end because uh, obviously Houston with what Deshaun Watson does, no matter what we say about Bill O'Brien, what we say about that team, they have Deshaun Watson and then the Colts, obviously the huge bounce back last week. We'll see what they're able to do moving forward. But overall, the Titans are in huge trouble. Well, the Broncos, uh, yeah, that's a big win for the Broncos because, uh, as we'll talk about in a second, uh, that that second spot in that uh, AFC West is like it's pretty much up for grabs at this point. Um, so that's that's a big win for the Broncos and the Titans, our team uh, with a lot, uh, you know, seven sacks. I mean, they've got to figure a lot of things out, and uh, they have just yeah, they, they've got to get on track here because. Uh, there's a lot of frustrated Titans fans, and uh, I don't know. But but those frustrations will be equal with the team that they're going to play this week, and uh, we'll get to them here in a second. The only good news for these teams, though, I mean, two and four, not great, but in the AFC, right. eight and eight, nine and seven might be good enough. Yep, that's true. We're, we're starting to see that trend here with some of these teams. Um, and, and, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know, Titans. Uh, everybody knows so if you listen to this podcast you know my frustrations with the titans and this is uh, just continuing that theme we talk about just a, a team that just never seems to be reliable and you just can't trust them uh, and that worries you certainly if you're a titans fan um well apparently we've got trust issues now with the dallas cowboys too uh we, we kind of alluded to it earlier in how we were both uh kicking ourselves for not picking the cowboys to make the playoffs this season and look they still good but when you lose a game to the winless new york jets that is concerning, and perhaps more concerning is that Amari Cooper has an injury. Doesn't sound like it's serious, but we don't really know uh, yet, I guess, if he's going to miss time. Uh, but, I mean, the Jets, Sam Darnold, he's back. Uh, the Mono tried to take him down, but the man said, I'm just going to come back and beat the Cowboys, and that's what he did. Uh, you know, I mean, Dylan, he played very well. I mean, yeah. he you know, looked, looked really good in that game. Uh, Robbie Anderson, thank you finally for doing, you know, making a big play. Uh, need that in the Clutch Points League. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, this Jets team, we never put the Jets in that range of just terrible teams when the season started. We said that this could be a team, while maybe they're behind the Bills as that second-best mm-hmm. team in that division, we never thought that they were going to be a Bengals or a Dolphins or anything like that because you saw it. We saw the the pieces there with Le'Veon Bell now. You know, no one could have expected the Sam Darnold situation to keep him out as long as it did. But now that you have him back, um, you know, I mean, I don't the Jets are. I don't think the Jets are going to make the playoffs mm-hmm. or anything. But I don't think this loss for the Cowboys is one of those that's just completely terrible because the, the Jets did get Darnold back it's a bad loss and it does question you know us looking back at the Cowboys schedule and saying well you know the, the teams that you were supposed to beat you beat them but you lose these past couple games against good teams and now you lose this game here and that puts the, a little bit of a worry uh, there with the Cowboys for sure uh, we've said a lot of times when we talk about some of these teams like the Patriots and the Niners early in their schedule where you know you're supposed to beat bad teams you're not gonna we can't take anything away from these teams they can only play the teams on their schedule um but 
the Cowboys, you, if you want to be a contender, you have to do the same thing. The Jets, yeah, for a, yeah, they are better with Darnold. It's not a no question about it. And if you're a Jets fan, you have to wonder if they'd pulled out that Week One game if Sam doesn't get mono. And at this point, maybe they're you know have a couple, you know, one more win at least, maybe a couple yep. more. Who knows what would have happened in that Browns game in Week Two if Darnold's out there. And their schedule lines up. They play the Pats next, but after that, their schedules, uh, as we talked about before the year, and that's why we thought me mm-hmm. and they're a popular pick. Not we didn't pick them to make the playoffs, but a lot of people thought they'd be a wild card team because their schedule is so easy. Um, it's going to be probably tough to come back from those losses early in the year, but nonetheless. You do see that Sam Darnold, there's a reason that uh, you know they took him so high and why they're so confident he's their quarterback of the future. I hope for his sake they're able to figure everything else ar- out around him. Um, but overall, I, this game has to be more about the Cowboys. And you can't – if the Cowboys come back and win the Super Bowl after this, this will be – you know the, they'll have the documentary and this will be like the turning point moment because if they can't <laughs> – they can't bounce back from this. I don't really know what to expect from them. It's going to be a huge litmus test kind of game for them and, and the Eagles next Sunday night. I think you know, both teams, three and three, not not season's not going where they want. Um, and like you said, though, the, the matchup might uh, bode well better for the Eagles secondary because, I mean, the Cowboys, this Jets de- defense really hasn't done much. They couldn't pass the ball. They were, it wasn't until the end of the game where they had some urgency and were able to move it and will themselves down the field. But overall for the Cowboys, I <laughs> – Man, you, you can't come into this game after those last two losses. Like you said, uh, you lose the good teams, but you have to beat the bad teams. And you, yep. you, can't, you can't come out and lay a dub like this. It's, these are the ones that at the, end of the, at the end of the season, maybe in the AFC you can get away with some questionable losses with the, the depth of that conference, but in the NFC it's going to cost you. Yeah, it is. And, and now, like you said, big game coming up and uh, where they go from here. Jerry Jones, get a little antsy. Um, you know, we know Jerry. He's he's probably getting a little antsy there. And you know, you saw saw Terrell Owens uh, call out Jason Garrett on Twitter, and he was tagging Jerry Jones and all this other stuff. So, uh, yep, the drama's back with the Cowboys, baby. A three and zero start. We knew it. It's going to happen at some point, and uh, the drama is back uh, for the Cowboys here as they move forward because uh, their expectations are a Super Bowl this season, and. Yeah, a loss like that is not going to make uh, anyone feel really good about that possibility. Mm-hmm. All right, um, I think this team had Super Bowl aspirations too this season. Uh, maybe both of them did. We've already documented the Steelers uh, with the Big Ben injury and all that. That certainly changed things. But the Chargers, Dylan, uh, the team, you know, we say sometimes we get it yeah. right. And, uh, you know, yes, we both picked the Chargers to win this game. But in a bigger scheme of things, you're right about the Chargers. Uh, you always say that this is one of those teams that's really hard to trust because they're going to have some of these games. Well, we thought they got that game out last week when they lost to the Broncos yeah. at home. Now they turn around and lose to the Steelers at home. And quite frankly, as we know, it was 24 to nothing going into the fourth quarter. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, everybody, I think, and for some reason, and I didn't really think this, but yes, you assume that when Melvin Gordon came back, everybody thought that, well, here we go. Like, it's time for the Chargers. <laughs> this is it. Like, they are going to all of a sudden start beating teams uh, unmercifully. Well, that hasn't happened. And here they are now at two and four. Uh, what, what do you say about the Chargers here? Hey, look, give give the Steelers credit. They came in prepared. They played well. You know, third string quarterback, all those different things. But the Chargers, how do you do this at home for a second straight week? Which, like we said, it, it's maybe a little different for the Chargers because the home field advantage, maybe not to the extent that you know, like we're playing in Dallas or Philadelphia or something like that. Um, but you, you can't lose this game. You just can't. No, uh, it, third string quarterback, like you said, it's. 
like I, I feel like the two straight weeks now, I've been nervous about the Chargers, and I should have picked them at least to lose <laughs> one of those games. <laughs> Both times I have not, uh, uh, because I overall did trust the top talent. But you're seeing it right now. There, uh, another game where we talk about some of these matchups, where yeah, a lot, no matter how many talented guys you have, if you lose up front consistently, it's really tough to win football games. And the Chargers got dominated on both sides of the ball up front. They could not run the ball. They weren't able to, you know, the, the average against on the ground from the Steelers wasn't amazing, but the Steelers were when they needed to able to get those three, four yards consistently, able to sustain drives. I mean, time of possession, the Chargers, you know, they they threw the ball a lot and they, they still had the ball twenty five minutes, but it didn't feel like that. It felt like every time they're on the field they're playing you know obviously they're playing from behind real quick does not help when you throw the ball backwards and give it straight to the Pittsburgh for a touchdown and followed up with another turnover you the Chargers can't afford to get in a hole with the way that they're uh, completely uh, currently constructed they need to be able to be in games late and at this point I, I have no trust in them it's going to be a really tough uh, pick next week when they play the Titans Those are two, two teams that uh, it's I honestly like flip a coin man like uh, yep. They both have so many issues, uh, so many things. At least the Titans' defense, like we talked about, is playing well. The Chargers, is, I don't know. None, none of it's none of it's looking that good. I mean, Philip Rivers still has a decent statistical fantasy day, right? But overall, yeah. something's wrong, and he doesn't look completely like himself. The passing game does not have the consistency it has had in the past. And looking at moving forward, two and four, like we say, AFC. There's a ton of these two and four teams that are all have a shot really at getting it going if they if they figure it out. But at, at this point, for the Chargers, I I really do not trust them. I we talk about the second best team in the AFC West. Maybe it's a team that was on a bye week in the Oakland Raiders because <laughs> we'll see. Yep. You know, they, at least that team beat Denver. We'll see when they play the Chargers. But man, this. <laughs> For as well as they played last year, for a team that went twelve and four and only didn't get a you know a home playoff game or a bye because they uh, tied with the Chiefs and the Chiefs had the tiebreaker, they look. I mean, they've already matched their loss total from last season in the regular season. So, as uh, long road up here for Los Angeles. Speaking of ties, uh, the Titans and the, and the Chargers tying this week would just be the ultimate. Like you really, you're already gonna have two fan bases that 11. are just ex- Got like yes, extreme. <laughs> extremely frustrated fan bases and then they're just going to pull out a, an 11 to 11 tie um that would just be that would be something but no there's you put the charges right in there with those group of teams that have been disappointing for sure and, and you know I, it may be weird for some people that maybe look back at those first several games and think this but i, I think the steelers defense is going to be good enough to yeah. keep them in some games mm-hmm. um you know and yes they gave up 33 points to the patriots 28 to the seahawks 24 to the 49ers 26 to the ravens but i think some of that's kind of deceiving based on how the offense played um and so if they can just be in a spot where their defense can give them chances to win some of these games because like we're saying i mean look at that division uh, the browns are not untouchable the, the Bengals, they get the Bengals, you know and it's just that they still got games against the jets the bills the cardinals like that Steelers defense is good enough to yeah. I don't want to say make them a 500 team, but it's not out of a realm of possibility, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. uh, when you look at the rest of their schedule. Uh, tough matchups here on the way, but not the next one. And so let me just go ahead. Fantasy alert. It's a good segue into our waiver wire situation. Don't You maybe don't want to do it this week if you don't have a spot. You probably don't. But fantasy alert. The Miami Dolphins are heading to Pittsburgh uh, on October the 28th. So oh, after – remember, after the bye – for the Steelers, 
the Dolphins are coming to town, and so keep that Steelers defense uh, in your back pocket there because uh, that's going to be a, a pretty situation, I think, for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Dylan, that wraps up our recap. Uh, we already talked about the Packers and Lions game in our previous episode, the Monday night game. Go back, listen to that, get all our analysis on that. Uh, that will lead us uh, into the waiver wire situation yes. for this week. And, um, again, I, I haven't ordered these because, uh, as I always say, these are probably going to change before I, I post them on Tuesday mornings like we do every week at clutchpoints.com. Uh, but here are some options. And uh, let's just start, I think, with the the quarterback situation because there's really not a lot to, to go with here, um, you know, because you're, you're kind of set at this point, right? It's it's later, not really late in the season, but you're, you're week six. You know who your quarterbacks are. You know what you're getting. However, uh, you know, I'm not going to suggest you pick up Jared Goff, even though he's playing the Falcons, but do it if he's available. Um, the Cardinals and the Giants will be meeting uh, this week, and that, to me, Dylan, is a must start for Mr. Daniel Jones. Ooh who is still out there uh he's available yes you know we may have some better options but uh daniel jones i think is a very good option and i said it earlier kirk cousins baby he is back (laughs) he is ready to go and i am just ready for him to reel off a ton of big performances here and i'll tell you why uh after that game against the eagles good job now he does have to go to detroit next not easy then he gets the Redskins. Then he gets the Chiefs, who, as we've seen, able to be passed upon. The, the Cowboys, Sam Darnold, ripped him apart. There's another opportunity. Kirk Cousins, even if he's not your every week starter, I think you got to put him on there now because he's looking pretty good at this point. And, and that's from coming from somebody who, you know, a couple weeks ago was so far down on Kirk Cousins. Uh, now he's got some really nice matchups from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, it's crazy to see for me that he's only owned in 26.4% of ESPN leagues. I mean, this is a guy that year after year, by the end of the season, his fantasy stats are always, you know, above, you know, above average. They're not necessarily a top like five guy, but he's still got solid fantasy numbers. He's frustrating because like you said, consistency has been an issue, but he'll have these weeks and he has these weapons like Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. If Stefan Diggs plays like he did this past week, I mean, again, it, Obviously, the Eagles secondary makes a big difference. But this is a team that's not going to be able to run the ball against every single team in the NFL. They're going to have to throw it around. And even if the Vikings do fall behind, then you got more passing plays. So I think Kirk Cousins for – I'm just shocked. I feel like there's a lot of owners. I mean, obviously, you have him in our our, uh, Clutch Points League. I'm shocked that he's not owned in more because as a backup. He's a great option as a backup and, and uh, picking those starts. But, yeah, for Daniel Jones, I mean, it, he looked at overall, you know, made some mistakes in that game, obviously, against the Patriots. But that defense is up there, one of the top ones in the NFL. Uh, he's going to look a lot better, I think, in these other uh, games coming up. I think Danny Dimes, especially this week, like you said, <laughs> he might, might be a must-play. We'll see if uh, he's played in our fantasy league. I think uh, Noam owns him in there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and again, these are all spot kind of start guys. You're not going to start Kirk Cousins every week. You're not going to start Daniel matchups. Jones every week. Yes, it's all about matchups, and that's kind of the theme for the quarterbacks. But with the running backs that I have on my list for this week, Dylan, it's all about handcuffs, man, because <laughs> um, there are a lot of them, as we know, and we might as well just start. You know, I'm going to give you all four of these guys because you can probably sort of group these guys together. Uh, the Rams addition with Malcolm Brown, 25.4% owned. Daryl Henderson, 20.7% owned. 
Todd Gurley situation, we don't know. So certainly you have to you have to give these guys a look if you need that uh, running back. And then I think the the more valuable potentially of of the group. Latavius Murray is still only 46.9% yeah. owned. We mentioned Alvin Kamara. We don't know his injury situation yet. Um, and then Murray, you know, he he played a role yesterday and then went over the Jags. And then Alexander Madison for <laughs> the Vikings, 16.7% owned. Basically split carries with Dalvin Cook yesterday. Um, I mean, I think this – and it's, again, he's one of those where maybe the stats don't completely jump out at you, but if you watch him play – you you see the burst and you yeah. see kind of how good he is. Um, and again, he's someone that just seeing him and knowing that you know every game's different. It's it's going to turn out differently. But when you consider that he did have 14 carries for 63 yards against the Eagles, and you know you look at it from that standpoint, Dalvin Cook had 16 carries for 41 yards. So they're not that far off. Every game will be different. But we know the Vikings want to run the ball, and that goes mm-hmm. back to what we talked about with Kirk Cousins. Maybe why you can't trust him week to week, but the Vikings want to run, and they clearly want to get Alexander Madison involved. So that, to me, I mean, him and Murray, I'd probably, I don't know. Can you put them above Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson because we don't know Todd Gurley's situation? They're all kind of in that same group to me. I I think the issue still with the Rams, guy, uh, their running backs, the offensive line, as we've talked about, has been such a huge question mark. They have, you know, there's you saw flashes finally. I mean, Daryl Henderson finally getting – to, to see the field the Rams traded up to get him in the third round out of Memphis a guy with a huge average yards per attempt and at, he had a couple moments where you see the flashiness and you see the his uh, quick ability and why they're so excited but then you see him obviously fumble the ball on a, on a pitch and then overall yeah. the offensive line if just like any running back uh, their offensive line you have to think about it in fantasy so I, I would I would tend to rely more uh, with Madison and Murray Murray is especially if especially if Kamara is out for any period of, uh, uh, t- period of time if even if he's limited whatsoever, Latavius being a huge red zone threat for them, I think you're going to see the Saints offense do better than did against Jacksonville against a lot of their opponents. So uh, definitely a great option. But Alexander Madison, like you say, this is a guy that if you watch them week to week and if he wasn't playing with uh, you know Dalvin Cook as his teammate, he'd be a starter for a lot of teams. He's he's good. Yeah, <laughs> He can really yeah. do a lot. And it's not just things that, you know, the Vikings offense line, much better run blocking than pass blocking as we know. But I, it's not just what he's getting in terms of holes. He's making things happen. He's making guys miss. He's going through people. He's an exciting guy. He's fun one to root for. Just worry, obviously, with him, though, a little bit more because Dalvin Cook, one of the most dynamic running backs in the NFL, and uh, like any given week, uh, Madison, it, it's, you know, it, like you're saying, though, these are all guys you're trying to pick up, and if you need running back depth, I think both him and Murray are great options. Well, look, Dalvin Cook PPR-wise is a no-brainer over I mean, because, you know, he, he's always going to get those catches. Mm-hmm. Madison didn't have a catch yesterday. And so, uh, yeah, you're always going to have those situations like that. So keep that in mind. But those are all, again, because you have question marks, not with the Vikings in terms of Dalvin Cook's injury status or anything like that, but the other guys uh, certainly valuable in their specific roles. Wide receiver, I'm going to give you these two first, and then I'm going to give you what could be the slam dunk of the century. Um, because I think this guy – it's going to be the most undervalued guy maybe the next five weeks right here. But we start with these two, Jacoby Myers with the Patriots. And, and I didn't have Nikhil Perry on my list, but as we saw, we're recording now, uh, just before it seems like he's going to be back. Mm-hmm. I still don't know that you want to just completely 
know for sure that he is just going to be put in, you know, starting to get catching two touchdowns, anything like that. Uh, but with the Josh Gordon injury situation, Jacoby Myers, you want as much of the Patriots offense as you can get probably at this point. Um, then Auden Tate, we talked about him earlier mm-hmm. um, with – even with you know, even if AJ, AJ Green comes back, I still think Auden Tate's probably going to have a role because yeah. you know, the John Ross injury and all that. So those two uh, are wide receiver options. Uh, and then here you go, Dylan. This is the one you've been waiting for because it's one of your teams. You got a lot of teams now, but this got, is one of your teams, teams here. Teams. <laughs> you do the Buffalo Bills. Oh, Cole go. Beasley. All right. No one ever thought that if you're a team like if you're someone that's two and four in your league or whatever, like me. Cole Beasley could be the guy that gets you over the top here because here is the next five games for the Buffalo Bills. The Miami Dolphins at home, the Philadelphia Eagles at home, the Washington Redskins at home, at the Cleveland Browns, at the Miami Dolphins. You would just throw the Falcons in there somewhere, and that would be the greatest probably stretch of games for wide receivers, a passing game. I mean, there is a lot of opportunity in there for this Bills. They're not a team that wants to pass all the time. I know Mm -hmm. that. But Cole Beasley has not exactly had bad numbers this season. I think he could be a sneaky good pickup. I'm not saying he's going to go out and score 30 points a game because the Bills won't pass it enough for that, and they may be leading in a lot of those games. But I think there's a potential value here with this guy. Um, give, give me Cole Beasley, man. That's it. I'm, I'm starting him over everyone this week. Just wide receiver one, Cole Beasley. It's kind of like you read my fantasy uh, game plan here. <laughs> I have Cole Beasley on our Clutch Points team, and part of it is uh-huh. this point of the schedule lined up well with a lot of the guys that I drafted early that are receivers <laughs> and with their bye weeks. <laughs> I'll probably yeah. be playing him. I, think, I appreciate the advice here because I, <laughs> and, and it's it's confirming kind of hopefully what, I, what will come to fruition. I think, yeah, I think with the matchups and with the Bills, even we've seen with Josh Allen, they've kind of struggled overall at times, but these these matchups are great, and he's a guy that Josh Allen does like to go to when it's third and short uh, in close situations when he really needs a catch. He can trust Beasley to just find a way to get open for that five, six-yard gain, and that could be enough for a touchdown here and there, too, so... Uh, definitely a great option uh, as you mentioned Auden Tate uh, yeah with John Ross he really stepped up and he looks impressive one of these guys all, just all these receivers so many this year it feels like that you don't really hear much about them and then out of nowhere they're making uh, contributions to their teams I think he'll still you know if Adrian Green comes back his value goes down but another decent guy that if you really need a receiver on your bench and to possibly start in a couple of matchups still think he's good and then for the Patriots guys um, I, as a yes the Patriots you want to be part of their team uh, like as we know they're one of the better teams in the NFL they're going to score points even when their offense is struggling like it has been but there's so many options on that team it's always tough week to yep. week to rely on those guys I think at this point I would I would trust Jacoby Myers over Inkeel Harry because we've seen the trust that Tom Brady has in him we haven't seen Inkeel Harry out there and even in training camp before he got injured a lot of the reports are saying that Myers was outplaying Harry, and I think over the course of his career, Harry, there's a reason he's a first-round pick. There's a reason the Patriots, who don't really draft receivers with first-round picks, took him. I think over the course of his career, he'll be great and has a chance to succeed uh, probably better than anywhere else in New England. But uh, at this point, I think Myers might be the better fantasy option. Yeah, we'll see. And like you said, it, a lot of that probably with Josh Gordon's situation too and, and not knowing there uh, what's going to happen. Uh, I'll be honest with you, the last player on my list is a tight end, and everybody's going to try to find a way to replace Will Disley because, like we said, it seems like he's probably out for the year. So I wrote this earlier, and I, I promise you, when I looked at this earlier, this guy was only 48.7% owned. Now, I guess apparently I was looking at the wrong guy because 
Hunter Henry now apparently is 54% yeah. owned. So <laughs> maybe he doesn't qualify, and maybe I was just looking at the wrong thing, but I did have Hunter Henry on my list. So let's at least talk about him because clearly um, the Chargers, like we said, uh, disappointing, but Henry racked up the catches, and he's back now. Um, again, maybe he's not available in your league, but if you are someone that does, let's say, lost Will Disley or something like that, and Hunter Henry happens to be available, uh, it's a no-brainer option to yeah. add him. Yeah, outside of the touchdowns that he had, I think he's he's just such a good tight end. He's well, we, Anytime he's on the field, is a guy who's in his career struggled with a lot of injuries, but when he's been out there, he's produced every single time he's been out there, and he gets a lot of targets. Phillip Rivers loves to go to him in the red zone especially, which fantasy-wise is obviously huge. Uh, not great news for uh, owners of uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams but overall for Henry if you, if you have him if you're if you're in one of those 46 percent of leagues that doesn't have him a great option to add and um, really not anyone you could rather have at that point uh, out of these tight ends I mean tight ends obviously at really tough spots to consistently find production but if you have Hunter Henry and you can pick him up I there is a no-brainer you have to do it he's too <laughs> uh, for all everything we've talked about the Charger struggles and Philip Rivers struggles he's such a huge part of what they're able to do when he's out there uh, go get him if you can well, and I'm going to give you the other option since I'll probably replace Hunter Henry. I, I, here it is. Like, they, there had to be an error or something because I'm looking now. There's no one else that was 48.7% on So something happened. Like, ESPN bumped him up just to keep mm-hmm. him off my list. Um, Chris Herndon, who apparently still may not play this week. I was all over him last week yeah. because it was time for him to come back. We knew Sam Darnold was coming back. It sounds like he may still not be ready to play in week seven. Uh, so probably don't have to rush out to get him this week i guess but if you want to snag him up knowing that he'll probably be back maybe sooner rather than later um he'll play a big role in that offense too i don't think there's any doubt about it um so keep an eye on him and and like we said you know if you're a will disley owner you're looking for options and and i'm just gonna tell you it's just not a situation where there's just not a lot of guys out there i mean hey Ben, Benjamin Watson's back for the Patriots now. I don't know, like, but it goes back to what we said. Can yeah. you really feel great about anyone uh, with the Texans? Maybe we throw Darren Fells in there. Look at yeah. Darren Fells. He's true. He's had a couple. I mean, three of his last uh, four games, he's had at least twelve fantasy points. So, if you want tight end options, yes, maybe I'll decide on one of these guys for the article, and maybe I'll just put them all in there and say, you know what, take your pick, uh, because they're just a lot of. The tight end with Evan Ingram too has been injured. You know, there's just it's a weird season at tight end. The, the long view for Herndon too, as we've talked about when we go over the Jets after they play the Pats next, their schedule lightens up quite a bit. So if if you if you, you're not in a rush, say you have a, a tight end with a bye week in like week nine or ten. Uh, after the Jets play these couple games against the Pats and Jags. After that, Herndon, obviously, I think he could be a really huge fantasy uh, producer from the tight end spot. And uh, the other one that I, <laughs> right when I was looking down the list of guys available, Fells is the one that stuck out. I can't, 2.4% yep. of the leagues. I, uh, I get that he's not a guy that you're going to really rely on maybe every week. But like you said, three out of the last four weeks, putting up 12 points. He's, he's putting up numbers. He's doing things for that offense. He definitely has a role. And Deshaun Watson goes to him in a lot of spots when he needs a big completion. So uh yeah tight end is sometimes one of the tougher ones in fantasy people <laughs> struggle with because there's you never really know but matchups are great but there's there's a lot of good options uh, if, you, if you had will disley i you know hopefully he isn't out for the year it sounds like he will be like you said but there are some guys that uh, can produce in the meantime well if you're someone also that leans on potential i never thought we'd spend a lot of time talking about tight ends but this is such a weird position this year <laughs> i am telling you right now i can bank on this happening the Bucks are entering their bye here in Week 7. I guarantee O.J. Howard is currently 68.5% owned. Mm-hmm. 
my guess is that he is he could be getting close to that 50% after this week because I think there there are people that are going to drop him um, because he just hasn't produced. And I would not be surprised if a lot of people drop him. And it's one of those – do you? I mean, I would take. I would still pick him up. I think I know what that offense is like, mm-hmm. but I also know that he's really good. And maybe you look at Cameron Bray too. Like I don't know. Like I don't know what to expect from them. But keep an eye on OJ Howard. I, that could be kind of a contrarian pickup for the rest of the season because I could see a lot of people dropping him uh, with the Bucks going into buy. Maybe they need a roster spot because uh, he just hasn't really done anything this year. And uh, I don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see, yeah. but uh, there you go. Uh, there's some options at tight end. Just go through, uh, take a pick, because uh, who knows what you're going to get from that position. All right, uh, that'll wrap up uh, this episode of the podcast. Uh, we give you all our waiver wire picks, uh, recapped all the action uh, from this week, and uh, lots of great stuff going up at clutchpoints.com. Uh, for NFL fans, uh, all your coverage, uh, both uh, normal football, fantasy football, all that good stuff. Uh, Dylan, let them know where they can find it. Yeah, on the Clutch Points app, we have our NFL section with the scores uh, tab for all the games if you want to follow live, as well as all the news, all of our content written on the NFL goes in there. Uh, for the website, you go to clutchpoints.com. Under the NFL tab, all of our NFL content can be found there. Search fantasy football for all of our fantasy f- content. Uh, still, uh, like we say, we don't know exactly when we'll have that fantasy football section, but at some point in the future, we'll have a full hub for you know with rankings and all of our articles yep. will be featured there and more information. So excited to get that going. But overall, it's still a lot of content you can easily find in Clutch Points. And then for our podcast, uh, you're listening pro- you know on one of the outlets. We're on Spotify. We're on you know, Apple, uh, Sound cloud all over the place so appreciate all the subscriptions and everything else and uh yeah looking forward to a good monday night game i think my i think i said it was my game of the week yeah so hopefully it lives up to the billing (laughs) yep should be fun you need kenny galladay to come through with a big game uh for your fantasy purposes uh i need uh, i think i actually well sorry dylan i need the uh, packers defense (laughs) and mason crosby but uh i think we're not playing each other so it doesn't really matter uh, so, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Should be a good game. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back uh, next time here on the Established Pass podcast with our uh, look ahead to uh, week seven in the NFL. Hard to believe we've already reached that point. Uh, should be a lot of fun. And so, uh, again, yes, what Dylan said, thank you for subscribing to the podcast. Be sure to check all that stuff out. And we will talk to you guys next time on the Established the Pass podcast.